Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. We've had a few weeks off, but we're back. You may have noticed that I am Patrick O'Rourke, Mobile Service Managing Editor, and not Igor. I, along with Brad Bennett, the bad boy of tech, the host with the ghost, are taking over the pod. I just wanted to mention that I didn't write that part, his, his little intro there. The ghost wrote it. The ghost wrote it. Yeah. But I told him I would read it, so that that's how I'm going to intro him every single week. Thank you. Not a lot's going to change about the podcast. It's still going to be the same show that many of you know and love. There's still going to be episodes focused on telecom and carriers. But I think something that you're going to notice is that you're going to hear more voices from Mobile Syrup on the podcast. So you hear members of the team like Brad Shankar, Brad Bennett, John, Dean, maybe even Ian will guest on the podcast at some point. Hopefully. Hopefully. If, if, we can, if we can convince them. So there'll be way less guests from outside the site. Um, we're still going to do that, but more voices that currently work for Mobile Syrup. So that's just something that I wanted to note. Um, this week, we have a few things to go over. Um, I it's think been busy. It's been a busy week. I think the first thing that we want to talk about um, is the Sonos Move, which Brad went on a lovely day trip to New York to check out. Um, Sonos took me on a date. It took you on a date to New York. So do you want to take that away? Yep, for sure. Um so yeah, Sonos Move, that news dropped this morning. And also there's like a new Sonos One that's $20 cheaper and has no mics and the Sonos Port, which is a new Connect. So um, I know we were talking about this before the podcast, um, yeah. but do you think that's worth it? I do. Uh, like, so, I mean, the Sonos One is already, like everything from Sonos is already expensive. I mean, it, it, maybe it's worth it, it because it's so great, but they're really expensive. So it's a premium audio brand, right? Yeah, like, exactly. it is what it is. Exactly, but also a big like component is this like multi home room setup and like having multiple speakers that all connect. So one of the weird things that they do though is if you want to stereo pair any of the speakers, they only stereo pair with the same type of speaker. So a Sonos One will only pair with Sonos One, uh, Play Five will only pair with the Play Five, a Move will only pair with the, with the Move. But can you do like multi-room audio in the same way that you could with uh, an Echo where you have multiple different Amazon Echo devices in different rooms? Yes. Or is this just stereo pairing? That's just stereo okay. pairing. You okay. can do multi-room with all of them connected, including the sound bars and the subs and the weird in the roof speakers and all that kind of stuff. But the the new Sonos One essentially just makes it a little bit cheaper to get two to pair. Because if you're pairing two in the same room, you really only need a mic on one of them. And then the other one is... $20 cheaper for no mic. But is $20 cheaper really that much cheaper? I mean, I know it's a great speaker, but all you're losing is the mic func functionality, so you can't voice control unless you already have a Sonos One speaker. Seems like not a lot of money that you're saving for a lot of functionality lost. Well, here, let me throw this at you. What if, Another you're, buy what if you're buying like toss? You're buying five of them, yeah. and then that 20 bucks adds up. That's, That's true. That's where true. We're headed. So if you want to do a, surround, a Sonos surround sound system, so you've got the Beam, which has a mic as your sound bar, and then you've got two Sonos Ones as your like, flanking left and right speakers, you don't need mics on those because the Beam has one in front of you. That's $40 in savings right there. So take that to the bank. Save it. Yeah. That's true. That's think true. of all the things you could buy with $40. Lunch for a few days. Some cell phone cases. That's oh. what I would spend $40 on. Yeah, is, the possibilities for $40 in the Canadian economy are almost endless. Like, it's... Yeah, it's that would delicious. pretty much cover the activation fee with any of the carriers. It's great. But anyway, I'm going to skim past all this stuff because those are the boring announcements. The move was the exciting the thing, The move right? is the exciting so, one. So tell us, tell us about the move. Let us know why I should care about a portable Sonos speaker. And also explain to me why it has taken Sonos so long to release a portable speaker. 
I do not know why it took Sonos so long to do a portable speaker. Um, it seems crazy, but I mean, they were so tightly focused. It seems like from talking to them, they were just like so focused on um, setting up their like home audio listening experience extravaganza sure. to the max. And you have the way it sort of seemed like is like when you have speakers inside of a room, you have so much more control over how they'll sound. You know, you can kind of figure out what the room's rooms are generally like and you can bank on walls bouncing sound back and forth and creating like a much better experience but then when you take those things outside you have a much harder experience to control and i think that that was something that sonos didn't really want to give up until they were as established as they are now which kind of see i don't know if that's right this is all a little bit of speculation based upon what they told me i think to me that that makes sense. I mean, Sonos is a high-end audio company, right? They like to put their speakers in controlled environments. Um, a speaker that's portable inherently, you can't really control where it's going to be, right? You could take it inside, you could take it outside. It needs to be able to adjust to both those sound environments. So mm-hmm. I can kind of see the hesitation to release something like that. It's also a little bit different than anything they've done before. Um, I know I, I edited your review, your hands-on yesterday. It has like an internal battery. That's something that I don't think we've seen from a Sonos speaker before. Yeah, that's removable too, which is handy. I oh, think. it's removable? Yeah, so like, um, you know, they wanted these things to like last a long time. So if you have them move for three or four years and the battery's just like not charging up to capacity anymore, you're only getting less than the 10 hours you're supposed to get, you can like call Sonos and buy a new battery and swap it out and uh, ideally, ideally, um, fight against like planned obsolescence was like a big thing that's cool yeah Yeah, it it really seems like they thought about a lot of the the little details that maybe some other companies might not have thought of like like that removable battery thing that's i think going to be a huge incentive for for a lot of people in terms of buying a portable speaker yeah it helps you like justify the the cost which is considerable but like oh you know like maybe if i have this thing for however many years five six years it, it starts to work out and like it also has like a dock so it can kind of fit into like an existing uh, Sonos home audio system. So it'll act like a Sonos one, um, but then you pull it off the dock and you just like take it away with you and switch it over to Bluetooth mode and it just turns into a Bluetooth speaker. Is so, Bluetooth new for Sonos's devices? Yeah, yeah, this is the first Bluetooth Sonos too because they've never had a speaker that's like been meant or that's m- they've meant for it to leave the home Wi-Fi yeah, network. Yeah, makes sense. So they've always been in this like really tight, really, as we talked on before, like controlled environment. And like now they can sort of take things out and it's all going to change for them. So what, what's the price we're looking at for this bad boy? Um, 500 bucks. That's a lot for a portable speaker. That, that is a lot. It is. Yeah. It's, um, so you've, you've written about portable speakers in the past, right? Like yep. you've done a bunch of stuff, uh, that UE's released. Like, is this speaker that much better than the latest UE boom? Like, is it worthwhile or is this kind of just for people that, really want that high-end experience i think so the sound quality wise compared to the boom from like my brief impressions with it is definitely better like it's it's just like three maybe four times the size there's way more speakers just like a booming sound it's really amazing it has this thing called automatic true play which doesn't work on bluetooth but adjusts the sound profile to the room it's in kind of like apple's HomePod. Um, or the Google has their own version of it as well. With the Max, yeah. Yeah, with the Max. Um, So there's like all these crazy features that you can read about in the hands-on because it's just like, like Sonos was on their Apple shit when they made this and it's just like packed with all of these tiny things that you'd never think of and that I think is like really puts it, gives it this like edge of like premiumness. $500 is still a lot. Um, I think if I had to make a call on that now, if you are already like embedded in Sonos' ecosystem, and you just want another speaker to like have around the house, but then also take with you, it's worth it. If you don't have a single other Sonos device, maybe not because you're not getting a lot of those like really cool features because you're not getting to be part of the Sonos network, which is part of the fun of it, I think. Um, so I think you say that in the, the review too. That so I keep calling it a review in the, in the hands-on as well. The review's coming though. Yeah, yeah. Um, the review should go up... Uh, Sometime within before the 24th when it comes out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I think the only other thing that I wanted to know about this speaker is can I throw it off my dock into the water? 
Um, yeah, so, like, let's just hope that no one from Sonos ever listens to this. So, that was, like, one thing that was, like, huge in my mind. So, I was at the event, and I was like, if they give this to me, I'm going to my friend's cottage this weekend, and it's, like, boat in only. That means I got to, like, take this across open water on a boat, and if it flips, is it done? What are you going to do, like, mount it on the side of the boat precariously as as the boat's driving, and that's how it's going to fall in the water? No, I I just, like, (laughs) had this, like, vision. I was like, I'm going to get this really expensive speaker. The boat is going to flip over. And I'm going to lose it. It's going to sink to the bottom of Georgian Bay. And we're never going to see it again. <laughs> and I'm never going to get another contact with Sonos. I'm looking at a picture right now of the uh, the Wonder Boom 2 review that you did. I think yeah. it was last week. It went up over the long weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and the speaker's like legit floating in the water. And I don't know why I want that, but I want that. So that actually like, it's uh, sometimes will turn off when it floats in the water too, oh, really? the UE booms. But Back to the Sonos. So I kept asking people, I was like, hey, like, is it submersible? Is it submersible? Because it's waterproof. It's IP56, uh, I believe, yeah. or 65. It's one of the two. So it's water and dust proof. Like, they had displays where they were covering it with sand and then just hosing it off, and it was fine. Oh, they were covering it in sand? Yeah. Okay. So for dust. So, like, you could take it to the beach and then just, like, wash it off. That's important. I think that's cool. Yeah. It's super, super rugged and durable, which is, like, another thing. But, yeah, I kept asking. I was like, is it submersible? Is it submersible? Is it submersible? They're like, I don't know why it would have to be submersible. But then I finally talked to the dude that was doing all of the stress testing on it. And he was like, yeah, we've done some tests where it it survived being submersible. And there's, like, an air bubble in the speaker. So it kind of floats. And I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> and I don't think I could write this because so many Sonos people like refuse to tell me anything about that. Mm-hmm. But I finally got the one guy to talk. And so, yeah, so if you drop this thing in the lake or a pool, there is a chance um, that Sonos won't, Sonos won't talk about it. But there's a chance I've heard through the grapevine. There's a chance it might <laughs> void your warranty. But uh, Brad spoke to someone at a Sonos event that says there's an air bubble inside it. So it might float. Yeah. So like, you know. For it 500 bucks. It might float. It might not. It might yeah. sink to the bottom of the lake. We don't know. But yeah, he had he had faith. He was like, this thing's indestructible. Like, hey, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Nice. Any other thoughts on the Sonos move? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, I think the coolest thing that, that uh, you told me about it, Brad, was um, that you could just pick it up and move it to different rooms in your house. So like if you're watching a, a, a sporting event on, on your TV and you need to go into the kitchen to like cook something... You just bring the speaker with you and you can still hear what's happening on the TV in another room. And I'm just like, that's really cool because you can just move your stuff around the house and just hear what you need to hear in whatever room you're in. Are you telling me that not everyone is like me and has 11 Echo devices and a few Google Home devices in a one-bedroom apartment? Yes. Okay. Most people aren't like you, yeah. Um, But the key here is that, like, this is the Sonos ecosystem. This is why this is worth buying. Like, if you have the Sonos soundbar that's playing sound from your TV or a record player in the Sonos Connect or Sonos Amp or Sonos Port. They all work together. Yeah, and then you can sort of take that experience with the move anywhere, and you, you can ha, 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 move it. <laughs> yeah. You have to make that noise, that laugh, too. Yeah. Yes. I, I have two Sonos. Like, I have a ton of smart speakers. I've done a lot of those reviews for Mobile Syrup. Um, I have two Sonos ones, and anytime someone, whether it's a friend or family member, asks me what speaker they should get, they want a smart speaker, um, I always say the Sonos One, and if you can, two Sonos Ones. Yeah. Just because it sounds, for the price tag, sounds about on par with some of the higher-end offerings from uh, Google and Amazon. Yeah, and then the multi-room thing, the idea, I think, with Sonos Two is it's kind of like an investment. Maybe you buy a Sonos One, and then you buy another one down the line, and then you get the Beam or the Move, and you just sort of keep adding on to this system. Um, this will be the last thing I say about this, but another thing they told me is something like 93% of Sonos's that they've ever sold are still in use today. That's an impressive stat. That's a, a really impressive stat. I think like the, you know, it, it's an investment piece. It's something that's meant to last a long time. I, it seems like so. Cool. Yeah. So I think the next thing we're going to talk about is Android 10. Um, this, uh, yes. is, this is a bit of a name change for Google this time around. We're dropping the pastries and the desserts and going right to numbers yeah. Very, very Apple-esque in a way, um, which I'm sure some of our listeners are like cringing as I say that because I'm I'm certain they hate every time I mention Apple, but just wait till the third segment in, in the podcast. Um, so I am a part-time Android user, as I've admitted many times. I use an iOS device primarily. Um, I review a few Android devices every year, and I always have an Android device on, on me. Always strapped. Always strapped. Yeah. Just, just got one ready, ready to go in case I need it. Um, so I have a few questions I want to ask about Android 10. 
But John, I was hoping you could give like a broad overview of some of the key things that are in this new version of Google's operating system. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would love to do that. First off, I just want to take a moment to touch on the name. Um, I didn't realize how much I didn't like the pastry naming convention. I've always hated it, not because I think that it's stupid and childish that Google has pastries for the name of its operating system. I think that's actually kind of cool and cute. I just hate it because I hate writing it every time. Yeah, exactly. Before before I started working out mobile syrup and writing about this stuff all the time, I was like, yeah, pastries are cool. Yeah. And now I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I know, every time you see a pastry, you like throw it on the ground. Yeah. So I'm a fan. Also, the rumored name was what, like Queen's Cake or something like that? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was like really some, something weird. that didn't make so, sense. Yeah, I think, I think this was the right time to make that change. Um, but yeah, I think Android 10 really kind of represents a a degree of polish for Android that I haven't seen before. And I think the best example of that is the new gesture shift, um, sorry, the new gesture system that Google implemented in Android 10. Um, it's very similar to iOS. And I think that's great because honestly, Apple's uh, gesture system was really, really good. Um, and I think what the, gest the gestures bring in Android 10 is just this like, really smooth experience that I haven't seen in an Android device in a long time. Uh, the first gestures that I came out with was like the, the pill in Android Pie and it was, it worked fine, but it was like this weird kind of one button slash gesture it's system. Kind of, kind of finicky too. Yeah, right? And it, it was, took, I, rem I remember the first time I used it, it took me a while to kind of get the hang of, I don't know if you felt like that when you, you tried it. I just felt like it wasn't a worthwhile change. It still took up the, it still took up the same amount of screen space as the three button navigation. Essentially now you're just like swiping up instead of hitting the button to the, to the right on depending on what phone you're using and the back button was still there. So it's just like, what are, what is, what yeah, are we it, doing here? It, it really only got rid of one of the buttons. So it was, it was weird, but the new gesture system is a lot better. Um, it's really smooth. It's fluid. It feels great. And I think that's the most important thing. And in some ways, I think it's better than Apple's system as well. Like it, they've got that swipe in from the side gesture to go back, which is something that isn't on iOS and I think is a really useful feature. Um, so just, wait, how, how does that work specifically? So you can swipe in from either edge of the screen, either okay. the right edge or the left edge, and that takes you back. Um, oh, so that's like, so say I'm using like Twitter or something, I swipe and I want to, oh, that's cool. And, and like the best part, it's always where your thumb is like naturally resting anyway. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's so hard to go back from it. Like I, I was using that Nokia 4.2 on Android 9 and like not having gestures. Every time I pick it up, I'm just like swipe. Like, mm. I'm going to I'm gonna install it on my, my Pixel 3 this weekend and play around with it. I haven't had the chance yet, but that, that looks sick. Like that's something that would I would use all the time because that's kind of how I browse. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And I think um, the best part about it is Google says that it's going to be more unified uh, across the different manufacturers because I've partnered with OnePlus and Samsung and Motorola and a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head so that everybody is going to have more or less the same system as what's currently in Android 10, um, which is great because what you had before was different manufacturers had different gesture systems. Samsung basically turned it into like three swipe up gestures. So if you swiped up on the one side, it went back. And if you swiped up in the middle, it went home. Um, and That's then, what OnePlus had before too. Yeah. And OnePlus also had like a, their current, their current one is very similar to what Android 10s is. So it's just going to be a more unified experience, which is great because fragmentation was going to be a big issue. And I think what the gesture system symbolizes for Android 10 is that Google is taking a more um, slowed down um, in a more mature approach to big changes like this in Android because they did a whole bunch of work in terms of user testing and comparing. They developed like a whole bunch of different systems and had users test them and try them and like give feedback to develop the system that they ultimately went with. So, yeah. I still feel like they kind of messed up with it in the betas. Like people are still kind of mad that you can't pull in from the left to get to the three or the whatever left side menus are. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, they kind of just stole this from, from Huawei. Uh, sort of. There, there's like subtle differences between what Google is doing and what Huawei did in the past, but they are very similar, yeah. And it's also very similar to iOS, so arguably yeah, that's, that's kind of where it all came from in I the first like place. I feel like every company borrows from every company now. Like that's just the way it works, whether it's in like industrial design and the aesthetic of a phone 
or something as simple as gestures, right? Like every company is just borrowing someone else's features and building on it in a different way. Yeah, and, and like I said earlier, I think that what Android 10 is doing is better in a lot of ways than what iOS did. It's improvements. There's additional gestures that let you do more things. There's also now a like a swipe up from the corner gesture to get into Assistant, which is really handy. So it's like there's so much more than what iOS was. Uh, so it's they took the great base and then they built on it. But in, sorry, no, go ahead. In, pa- in classic Android fashion, it is handy until you use a phone with a curved display, and then it's very tricky to trigger. At least on the Android 10 on the OnePlus 7 Pro, it is super tricky to pull Assistant up. So that would be hard with the Note 10 as well. I'd imagine. Maybe. Well, the Note the Note 10 screen is um, a little bit less curved than the Note 10 Plus, but like that that was one of my criticisms of that device is I was always accidentally doing weird things with apps because of the curved display. I wish Samsung would drop it. So I imagine that would probably be difficult to use that feature with the Note 10 Plus. Yeah, I've been I've been using a Huawei P30 for all of about a day now, and I have the exact same complaint. I'm not a fan of these curved displays. Yeah, it, it, they're just, I mean, with the Huawei phone, specifically when I was using that one, like scrubbing up from the side of a YouTube video to try and grab the scrubber at the start of a video when it's on the curve, it's like you got to watch for 10 seconds, you got to wait. And like, it, I don't have the time. It looks cool, though. Yeah, it is sexy. Yeah. It, it looks very nice. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, what else? Uh, Android what about 10? The, the dark mode? The yes. new dark mode? I don't know. Is it called the super dark mode? No. It's just, it's just called... Just like a revamped dark mode? Basically what it is is it's system dark mode. So system, okay. leading up to Android 10, Google was adding dark mode to a lot of its apps. Um, and hopefully after the release of Android 10, app like non-Google apps will start adding dark modes if they don't already have dark modes. And the rest and, of Google's apps. And the rest of Google apps. Uh, so basically dark mode in Android was a thing a long time ago. Well, a couple months ago. Um, but system dark mode is new. And it's basically a toggle in the system that you can turn on and it turns everything dark mode as long as it supports the toggle. Which, so if I have an app that doesn't have a built-in dark mode already, that's not going to change anything. Uh, at the moment, I don't think so. It's up to app developers, I, I would assume. To, yeah. Okay. I think Outlook is the only like third-party app that I know of that supports it. I know, like, I don't think Reddit or Twitter do. Reddit might have, actually, when I opened it on the OnePlus, which I set up the other day. It was in dark mode, I think. Uh, Twitter wasn't. Um, I know iOS 13 is getting um, a dark mode, like a system-wide dark mode, but that's something that Apple has encountered is developers... Leading, at least in the beta and the developer beta, haven't been adding a dark mode to their apps. Like I'm using the public beta right now. Um, like there's so many apps that don't have a dark mode. So I turn it on and it's kind of jarring to go from a dark screen to a super light screen. And oh. I don't think that's good. Like there's not that much long until iOS 13 drops. I don't think that's going to change. Well, no, based on what you've told me, and you're you're the iOS guy, so you, you probably know a little bit more about it, but Apple doesn't really seem to be using its leverage to push developers to make a dark mode. Yeah, they made like a, a a blog post on their developer blog being like, hey guys, remember that dark mode's coming? You should add that to your app because you don't want to be left out when iOS 13 drops. So like maybe that'll remind some developers. Um, but I think it's going to be a year probably it's gonna be a long haul yeah um unless they make it some sort of requirement which i think to my understanding like apple could do that like if you're going to release the next update for your app um if it's going to be compatible with ios 13 you need to add a dark mode i apple has tons of control over their app store would they do that probably not but i think they could yeah of of the two major uh app store owners apple could definitely do that google could not get away with that um, so I kind of expected that Apple's dark mode would come out and it would be great. Everything would be dark and Google's would be the way that it is where some things are dark and some things are not. And it's up to app developers, but it kind of looks like both. It's the same boat that in way. some way. Yeah. I think on like a smaller level, I think Apple's will probably, this is theory, but I think Apple's might be a bit more streamlined because I'm sure Apple is like, oh, if you're putting in a dark mode, you need to implement the toggle. So when you switch dark theme on your phone, your app needs to go from light to dark. And I don't ever see Google like putting that rule in there. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Because there, there are already apps that use dark mode. For example, Twitter, it has a dark mode on Android, but it doesn't connect to the toggle. So you turn the toggle and your Twitter stays white if that's the way that you had it. So, so is there anything else um, that's super exciting about this? Like, 
I don't know. I always like to use this exam this example, like say your parents had a pixel. Which nobody's parents have a Pixel. Both ever. my parents have Pixel devices, actually. That is amazing. One of my yes. friend's mom's has a Pixel. You guys are blowing my mind. Yeah, well, it's a new world out there. It my is. mom has a Pixel, but it's because I gave it to her. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I gave my mom a but Pixel. You know what I mean? So. Like something yeah. that the, the average person, if they download this new operating system, they'll immediately notice and be like, that's hype. I'm really excited about this. I think... It's hard because everything that's new that we really like has to be turned on. Like gestures would be the biggest thing, but you have to go and turn that on. And like, I don't see a lot of people doing that. Um, same with dark mode, maybe. I, I think gestures is on by default, actually. In at least, at least on Pixel devices. It's hard to tell. I mean, we were both on the beta before. Yeah, I was on the beta before, so I had gestures on yeah. already. Um, so I guess Pat, you'll have to determine that when you I'm gonna download it this weekend probably yeah, Saturday try and, I think try and keep three button navigation set when you go from it are you going from fresh Android 9 to the yep. thing you're not on the beta okay yep. cool I never I never do <laughs> stupid I never do Android betas on like my main Android phone yeah which is something I need to adopt with iOS because the iOS 13 beta has been a nightmare I've had problems with Mac OS I'm always tweeting about it I'm never doing that again on the Apple side of things um so yeah I should I should take my own advice and start doing that with all my devices um yeah i mean you I, i've been living with quirks or was i know i know quirks. you are i couldn't yeah. take it i totally formatted my uh my work laptop that was running the mac os beta wiped it completely started from scratch because I, I couldn't take it there's just too many things not working and like i'm running into the same thing with ios 13 i know we're just a couple days away from it coming out so i'm obviously not gonna clean install and reset it mm. but um uh, yeah, it's a cautionary tale. I've, I've been doing it for years, always on my main devices, never had problems. This is the first year. Um, the only other big Android 10 thing before we kind of get too far away from it is I, I think notification controls are just a lot more e or a lot easier to understand. Yeah. And I, I, think that I, I did want to bring that one plus. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, you can touch and hold on any notification. It gives you, do you want this notification to come in silently? Do you want it to come in as a traditional notification would by That's vibrating cool. your phone? Uh, if you, then you can go deeper into the settings right from the notification to the notification settings for that app. And it'll be like, oh, on average, you get this many notifications for this. Uh, do you want to turn this off or do you need this? And how do you want them to come in? And it, the language is a lot more clear this time around. So mm. I think like that's something that even... You know, someone who's like kind of embedded in this industry, I struggle with having too many notifications. And ever since I've been on Android 10, I just feel like I am in absolute control. I'm yeah. notification god. <laughs> and I, I think I think it's really a, a building on what Google started in Android 9 because they added a lot of notification co uh, controls. But they were really buried in the settings and kind of hard to understand. And even if you did find them, it really wasn't clear what any of the controls were going to do. Um, so I think this is a great kind of addition to the system where right from the notification, if you keep getting, you know, friend request notifications from Facebook, you know, like, I don't want to see these anymore or I don't want them to buzz my phone every single time. You just press and hold on the notification and you can set it to either it's going to buzz your phone or ring or it's not. It's really simple. Um, and then it even splits up the, the notification shade into the two settings. So the stuff that's buzzing your phone or making your phone ring is going to be on top They're and like kind of prioritize. Yeah. That's cool. I can see myself doing that because there's a lot of no notifications that I want to vibrate my phone because I care about them. But then there's other ones that like maybe I don't want to check right away, but I want to appear because I want to be aware of them at some point. Yeah, exactly. like you want vibrations for like Google News reports. It's like, no, I want them there because maybe it's fun to read them 100%. when I have time. But like, do I want to like just get distracted by that? Not so much. Yeah. So the, the only other thing that I wanted to kind of pose to the the Syrupcast squad is what's the situation in terms of Android 10 coming to more than just the Pixel? Um, so that's kind of a tricky one. Uh, as with all Android updates, um, you know, the update comes out and Pixel devices get it, a central phone gets it, a couple OnePlus devices get it, and then it's kind of just um, nothing. Like After a Redmi that. phone that got it. Not that those are available in Canada. Yeah, but the main the main things, the devices that people are actually buying, you know, the Samsungs, the Huawei, stuff like that. They, the newest ones might get the update in six months. I I think it's coming way sooner than that. I mean, isn't there rumors right now that uh, One UI 2.0 is like being tested? Yeah, we wrote something about that. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so it, that could be very close on probably the newest Samsung phones. So that's that's what I wanted to say. Um, 
project mainline is one of the things that Google has been working on um, to make Android more modular, um, as well as Project Treble. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the differences are between them, but it's basically um, the Android operating system is more modular, so it's easier for manufacturers to build stuff on top of it, like Samsung's One UI scan or Huawei's EMUI, um, which is great. And it, in theory, should make it easier for developers to, or sorry, for manufacturers to update their. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Skins and their devices. Will that roll out practically? Um, it's not clear yet. And I think we're, we are starting to see improvements in speed like Samsung with its Note 10 and I think the S10 as well, testing out the newest, like Android 10 already, that's great. Um, but I am curious to see how quickly it'll actually work out in practice, if there's any, if there's going to be any sort of speed improvement in terms of getting those updates out. Yeah, I have faith, but we've been fooled so many times before that, it, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can be hurt like this again. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is if you're waiting for Android 10 and you don't have a Pixel or an essential phone, um, you, you be prepared for a long wait. Yeah, if you have a phone from like two years ago and it's not a Pixel, then you're, you're, you're toast. Yeah. You're done. With that said, Google has done a lot to improve security updates. Um, so there's the monthly security patch. And now with Android 10, uh, it can also deliver security updates directly through the Play Store. Uh, and not in a software update at all, um, which is really, really cool. Well, I guess it still is technically a software update, but it's just delivered through it's the a Play different Store. Way of getting yeah. It. Um, so for security updates, you don't have to worry. Your phone's going to be updated and it's going to be secure, and that's great. And a lot of manufacturers are really good about doing the, ma- the monthly security updates. Some will do like they'll bundle two or three months at a time, but they're still rolling them out at a much faster pace than what a typical software update would get. So that's great. Um, From a security perspective, you're getting those updates that you need. That's fantastic. In terms of a feature update, like Android 10, it's going to be a little bit longer. Um, And the big question, the the sort of question on nobody's mind is Huawei. What's going on there? Well, like there's rumors that the P30 Pro is getting Android 10 at IFA, but... Is that going to happen? Like, I don't even know. Can they? Like, they're not, apparently, they're not getting Android 10. There's stuff at least the, the official version on the, the Mate 30. 30 getting um, their own operating system. That seems crazy to me. I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I yeah. see them running like Android open source project before they go. That's what I that always far. assumed as well. But we've seen like some somewhat dubious rumors about the possibility of that happening. Harmony, Harmony OS, I believe is yeah, what, yeah, what it's called. So. Yeah. I, it's a really confusing kind of topic, and I don't think anybody really has an answer. I'm not even sure Nobody Huawei does. has an answer. Not that they share. Yeah. No. So I, it's going to be some time before before that gets figured out. But I think uh, we'll learn soon enough um, what's going to happen with those. So moving on from the world of Android, we're entering my territory, my favorite week of the year. Apple's big fall keynote is just around the corner. Um there's a lot of stuff that might happen, but a few things that we know are probably for sure, not even probably, we know for sure will be shown off at this I've heard event. new iPhones might come out. Maybe. There could be new iPhones. Yeah. I mean, yeah. only history, like the last million gazillion years of iPhone releases, it always happens at the same time. Um, so I'll go through some of the highlights pretty quickly. Um, we're expecting a new high-end iPhone, two new high-end iPhones, the iPhone Pro and the iPhone Pro Max. They're going to have the same sizes as the XS and the XS Max. Um, I don't know how I feel about the naming convention. In a way, I'm kind of cool with it because it's Apple bringing some consistency to the way it names its devices, like you have the iPad Pro. But the just saying iPad Pro Max feels ridiculous. Like it, It's very strange to me. 
Um, yeah, I don't know if it sounds like a really sweet car or like <laughs> a version of paper towel that is more absorbent than Bounty. I'm sounds, like very confused. Sounds like a Honda Civic to me. Like a like the the sport trim of the Honda Civic. Yeah. Civic Pro. Or Max. paper so towel, you're, like, you're right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like absorbent. Um, so we're getting two new high-end iPhones. The big thing this year is that uh, they're both going to have a third camera. That third camera is going to be an ultra-wide-angle lens. Um, being someone who reviewed the S10 and the Note 10 and ultra wide angle is really useful. It's cool to see Apple in this case playing catch up um, with what Android manufacturers are doing. I think what I'm most curious about is what that like special Apple sauce with this ultra wide angle is going to be. I think there's rumors that all three of the cameras will work together for some sort of computational photography, like a crop mode voodoo. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and that it'll just help photos look better because it'll be able to get more information per snap. Kind so of thing. I'm, I'm excited to see that. I think Apple's kind of fallen off the last little bit in terms of like its photography prowess. A couple of years ago, it was the best mobile camera around. I don't think that was an arguable fact. And now it's definitely not anymore. Like Samsung's cameras are great, but also highly processed. You have Huawei has excellent cameras in all, to, all of its devices. So for me, it's going to be interesting to see if Apple can, um, again, play catch up in some way to kind of match what Android manufacturers are doing in the camera space. Um, and then we're also going to see 100% for certain a new iPhone XR. It's rumored to still have an LCD display according to, I think I've written this like a million times over the last month, often reliable source of Apple leaks, Bloomberg's Mark Gurman. Um, and there could be new colors, purple and green. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the big one. I mean, like, everyone I know that has an iPhone 10 series has a, a 10R. I don't yeah. know about you guys. Like, it's my favorite phone of the last year. Yeah, I think so. And, oh, man, the yellow one was great. But, Such a nice looking phone. Um, but yeah, so, like, I kind of see that becoming, like, maybe even this show stealer. And I'm excited about that. The I mean, purple one, like those little shards of glass that leaked a while ago. Oh, um, yeah. The purple looked really cool. It's like a, it's like a lavenderish purple, but like not quite. Yeah, it almost had like a '90s chill vibe. Yeah, it still has that like '90s '70s, um, I guess faded, faded look to it in a way, yeah. which is what all the current 10R colors are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm totally here for these phone colors, like iPhone or any of the Android manufacturers that are doing these crazy color schemes. It's great. Totally on board. I think the only other thing of note in terms of the iPhones is that there's a possibility um, Apple could finally include an 18-watt USB-C fast charger in the box with the... Oh, no way. With the 10s. Sorry, I'm getting these names mixed up, man. With the iPhone Pro and iPhone Pro Max. Um, and oh, this would also only with the pros, only with the pros. Mm. And this would be a, and it would also include a lightning to USB-C USB cable, USB-C cable inside the box because, um, there's no way Apple's going to ditch lightning. Although we see rumors about that all the time. I just still don't see it happening yeah. on the iPhone. Yeah. The question yeah. I want to like ask is like, you know, when was the last time you remember Apple giving people what they want? Yeah. Crickets. No, like, <laughs> it's been too long. So I just, I don't know if they do this. Yeah. Uh, like Apple tells people what they want. But do they give? They tell what, you what you want before you know you yeah. want it. They, yeah, they're Light, the line. Lightning to USB C, I think, has been a long time coming. Uh, I mean, Apple's computers, all the MacBooks are USB C only. So to include a Lightning to USB A in the box just doesn't make sense to me because you, you can't, can't connect your phone you, on your computer. Yeah, yet. you can't connect it to your Mac. Yep. Like, what's the point, right? So, so to answer... You buy an Apple dongle. Many dongles. The 90, dongle, 89 Best Buy at the ad, Apple Store. Adopt into the Apple uh, dongle ecosystem. So to, an, and to respond to your statement where something... Um, an example of something Apple has done where it's actually listening. Oh, you have one. I do. Whoa. I have one. Um, get ready. So the new iPad Pro. Oh, USB-C. USB-C. Yeah, yeah, okay. That was yeah. something that when the previous one came out, the 2017, people demanded that. That was the main complaint. Every single review, that was the thing that people were saying. Like, I wish this had USB-C. This would be a much more capable future of computing device. Yeah, you know, if what? it had USB-C. Even iPad OS and like the support for external uh, memory yeah. support sources and all this other multitasking stuff. That was like a lot of like, it's like Apple had. Yeah, you're right. They had clearly seen all of the reviews in the iPad Pros. Everyone's like, this is close. But if I want to work efficiently, I'm using a laptop. So you have seen. Like, I'm not saying that Apple really, really listens to what people are asking for because it quite obviously does not. But there are some, I guess, siloed examples of that happening. 
And something that I'm curious about, and I don't think we're going to see this for a while because I'm sure the next two generations of iPhones are pretty much planned out for the most part, uh, with Johnny Ive gone. That was a question I wanted to pose, yeah. There's a, there's a strong possibility that we could see a different Apple in terms of design moving forward. Like if we're ever going to mm. see a USB iPhone, now is the time when that could possibly happen within the next three to five years. This theory that I have has no legs, but like it's sort of like an imagination. Imagine the world in three years. But Apple, like Johnny Ive is gone, and they just like never fill the design department, and they just keep putting out iPhones that look the same for the rest of the, the, exact the rest ones. of the time. Yeah, just like Johnny Ive did some stuff on the Pro Max or whatever is yeah, coming yeah. out, and he designed that camera bump that in the leaks looks weird. But and Apple's just like. Well, I don't know what else we do. We, we, Ive is gone, so we just continue with this. They just re- release the same phone every year with yeah. a better processor. Yeah. Yeah. It's the future. It's and the like future. software, but it will look the same, you know? Design. The design team is gone, so. And then they just like program Siri to kind of sound like Johnny Ive, and they do, they make the fake Johnny Ive voice commentate every product release. Could you imagine if like Siri sounded like Johnny Ive, that'd be so great. That's like up with Google Assistant sounding like, what's his name? John Legend. John Legend. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Sundar or something. <laughs> like John Legend. <laughs> no, they, they did the Google Assistant like John Legend thing. Fair, yeah, yeah. And so like Apple comes out and they're just like, we have a new Siri voice. Or one more thing, ladies and gentlemen, virtual Johnny Ive in your phone. Oh, with the with the memoji too. Yeah. Oh, a Johnny Ive memoji. Like imagine Clippy and Siri and Johnny Ive combined into one thing. Would be brilliant. It'd be amazing. Well, yeah, that would, oh man. Um, Dreams. So moving on from the iPhone, I think the next thing, and and I kind of I highlighted this as um, something that I think for sure is going to happen. But now the more I think about it, it's a, there's a possibility that it may not be something that materializes. Is a new pair of AirPods. I um, don't see it happening. My theory behind, behind the AirPods, which I'm currently debating as I look at it, is... No, do it. Take that stance. Let's debate. <laughs> Take that stance. Is because the air power was killed and was delayed for so long, mm-hmm. there's a possibility that the second-gen AirPods were ready like a year ago, and they could have been released a long time ago. I know they didn't come out. Oh, the wireless charging Yeah, the ones. wireless yeah, charging okay, okay, okay. Um, I know they didn't come out until a couple months ago, but my theory was like these things have been ready for like a year. They wanted to drop them a year ago, but um, air power wasn't ready. Air power was killed. They were like, we got to push these out. We just got to do it. And that whole time, they were working on air pods pro um which would look very similar to the standard airpods maybe a different color maybe they'd be like space gray maybe they'd be black um they're waterproof that's the rumor and also feature noise canceling which is something um that a lot of other wireless bluetooth earbuds already have and it's probably one of the biggest features missing from the airpods and it makes it difficult to justify their price tag like i love airpods i'm always talking about how much i like them because i enjoy the convenience of them they fit perfectly in my ears because I'm not a big fan of uh, in-ear earbuds. Um, but like, try using them on a plane and then tell me they're good. Like, <laughs> you just you legitimately they're can't, not. right? Like, you can't yeah. hear anything. They're great for walking back and forth to work or sitting at the office. And but and, but there's like certain situations where the AirPods are just straight trash and they're not good. I think uh, like unless they radically change the design, it just seems so hard to be able to like waterproof the AirPods if it's gonna have like his mic and these like speakers and the little speaker thing on the back. I don't know. Maybe it can be done. I guess like other companies have done it. It just seems hard to do with the AirPods. It's like a little piece of plastic and like no real rubber involved. Um, and then that's the same with noise canceling. Like if it's not sort of making that seal in your ear, how effective can noise canceling truly be? I, I'm very interested to see like if this happens, how it's implemented. Well, I think the way that they work with other headphones, and John, I know you've used noise canceling earbuds, I think, or maybe that was Dean. Someone on the team. Has Dean used, has the. It, it was Dean. Dean, it was Dean? Has okay. noise canceling earbuds. Um, they take the sound that's around you, right? Mm-hmm. And then they change the sound that it's emitting into your ear based on the sound that's around you. Um, and somehow, I don't know because the people that make these devices are far smarter than they're me. Witches. Yeah, they're, they're witches. That um, results in noise canceling, right? Yeah, but I think, uh, like Brad said, a big part of that is the the in-ear aspect because that's what creates the seal that 
Oh allows yeah, that's, it. that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, like sure. even that's a valid point. Like the oh, just sorry to hit my mic, but these like little Beats X with the these Beats X with the rubber seal, like they fit in my ears and it's not noise canceling, but it does a pretty good job if there's music playing of sort of isolating everything and I can't hear a lot, um, which I think would help with noise canceling. I don't know. I'm not a huge like person that knows noise canceling stuff, so I don't have the answers. But I just. I foresee it being a difficult challenge for Apple maybe, to overcome. Maybe they'll be in here. I don't know. Yeah, That's that would be a, a weird like switch up. We've seen rumors about them a bunch of times. Like, I, I think there's got to be some level of truth to them, but I have a feeling that it's not going to be at this specific event. Yeah, a few weeks ago when I wrote the leak post about all the stuff that it leaked, I was like, man, this Apple event's going to be huge. Like, We're going to get so much stuff. But as we're getting closer, I'm like, it's probably just going to be iPhones and Apple Watches. You know? Yeah, gonna, that's what I'm thinking. It's a tried and true formula. But, I mean, they did, I believe they showed off the AirPods for the first time at an iPhone event, so... That's true. There's a possibility. Um, so, in terms of the Apple Watch, I don't think we're going to get a Series 5 this year. Um, I think the Series 4 was a huge revamp to the Apple Watch. Um, not huge, but pretty significant. The most since 2015, when it first dropped. Reduced bezels, a bunch of new features, lots of health stuff that people were really excited about. So I think they're probably going to rest on their laurels in terms of the Series 4 and maybe release um, new versions that uh, have a ceramic and titanium build. That's something that we've seen frequent rumors about. Like a Series 4.5? Yeah, like a Series 4 more expensive edition. Series uh, 4 Pro. Yeah, Series 4 Pro. Oh, imagine that. Just, they did an Apple Watch. <laughs> Imagine an alternate upside down universe where Apple releases an Apple Watch that has a USB C port and Apple Pencil support. Apple Pencil support. Yeah. And has the Pro sort of moniker attached to it. The dream. What else? The dream add? device, man. What else? Oh, man. Um, but there's really nothing else to say about this device, like it, about the Apple Watch Series 4.5 or whatever it's going to be. It's probably just going to have different materials. And that's, that's it. And they'll have a whole new line of like fall. Bands. Uh, bands and and stuff like that as well because that's what they do every I, year. I think that we're gonna see um, like more Watch OS features that maybe they've kept under the the rug just so they have something to show off. I don't like this is kind of based upon nothing. Yeah, but I kind of have a feeling we're gonna get like some new Apple Watch uh, Watch OS six features that we haven't seen yet. And sure. Like, Look at this now. We just... well, there'll be the like on store watch stuff uh, on on watch store as well like that's something that's coming didn't yeah. really talk about that much in my my story on mobile surf that where i recapped all of these rumors related to the operating systems because they're mostly out in the wild right like yeah. the developer and beta versions uh the developer and public versions are out there so we kind of know what to expect they're all gonna drop if not on the day of the event around the day of the event so um but yeah you're right maybe there's some stuff they're keeping under wraps in terms of uh the new version of watch os mm. What I was about to say before we got into watch something. Was it more watch stuff? No, it was, I think it was phone related or something. Oh, um, so yeah, kind of not, it was just the event related. But so there was this leaker, I saw this on Reddit last night and it was like, this guy is notable for getting a few leaks right every once in a while. And he tweeted out last night, one more thing, dot, dot, dot. Um, which, you know, set me and my speculations ablaze. And it's just like, what could Apple have? Is there one more thing this year? So the rumor is it's a new Apple TV. Oh, that would be boring. I wrote about that last night after everybody was gone. Okay. Um, so the rumor is it's a new Apple TV with a, a better processor. So it would feature the, um, I believe... Honestly, I don't even care. I can't, like, I can't find like... the processor. Gonna... Yeah, that... that would be a pretty boring one more thing. I think that's what it might be, though. Let me see if I can find the story that has the processor in it. It's like the A13 or something that's like that. probably it. Um, as you're looking for that, do you guys think that Apple will show off or announce the launch date for Apple TV Plus during the event? 100%. You think so? It's, it's, coming out, it's coming out this fall. We know it's coming to Canada. They'll get the, we'll get the launch date, and we'll also likely get the pricing. I'm, I'm nearly 100% certain that that's... The way it's going to play. Do out. you think they're going to attempt to launch it before Disney Plus? I, I don't. Does Disney Plus is early November? Disney I think it's going to come out at around the same time. Yeah. Um, so I found it. It's the A12 chip. So I okay. think they're going to get rid of the standard Apple TV and the Apple TV 4K and just have the Apple TV. 4K is more prevalent now than it was a couple, of, even just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's going to have that one processor. And so part of that links to the next two things that I was just going to talk about. You already mentioned. Um, that Apple TV Plus, their streaming service, finally going to get pushed out. I'm glad that it'll be in the light and everybody can talk about it and we can see all the shows that are coming out. Um, I'm somewhat excited about it. There's some like sick stuff hitting it. 
like for all mankind. For all mankind. I'm so excited. We've geeked out about that. That's kind of uh, Apple's alternate history take. I'm really hoping they don't do week by week episodes so I can just like get the free trial and just like binge for all mankind. That is what I'm hoping as well. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that like is rumored that I'm interested in, but the stuff they've shown off so far with the exception being for all mankind, I just don't like, I don't really want to watch the morning show. Not down with that. If there's a free trial and it's bingeable, I'll probably watch as much of it as I can. Just watch everything on the whole platform. Yeah, if I can. Because um, it's not supposed to launch with a lot. And I'm just like so intrigued about Apple entering this space. But yeah, f- for all mankind. Like, yeah. Let me just say that one more time. Totally. Like, um, and then Apple Arcade, that's going to drop as well. That um, explains the new processor. Exactly. Yeah. That's how it links to that. Um, Apple wants people to think of the Apple TV as a gaming system. I'm sure they'll trot out some notable indie developer at some point because they always do this with every Apple TV launch. Hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can, with the latest Apple TV, that uh, operating system TV OS, you can use Xbox One and PS4 controllers, or is that only iOS? I believe it's both. It's yeah. iOS. Okay, so that I've makes... only tried it with iOS. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried it with the Apple TV. But um, that makes it much but that, yeah, more of a gaming it's a, Yeah, That's a game changer because one of the problems was you needed... Uh, MFI certified controller, which are pricey for um, games that are not good. Great in most <laughs> cases. I I think what would really set the Apple TV up as like a true kind of gaming console competitor is support for something like Xbox Game Pass, where you can stream games to it. That'd be so sick. Maybe I, yeah, when XCloud yeah. or um, Stadia. Not that Apple would ever partner yeah. with Microsoft or Google on any of those things. Exactly. Mike Microsoft has a history of working with everybody now right so yeah i know it's true. it's kind of outlandish but i wouldn't like we we watched a nintendo direct yesterday where banjo kazooie is now in smash brothers right like it, it's kind of a new a new world for microsoft owned properties oh, yeah. and way. the whole microsoft samsung thing yeah um or microsoft galaxy samsung specifically so i'm, I'm hyped about apple arcade i don't play a ton of, of mobile games but i think Anything that kind of pulls the mobile game ecosystem away from free-to-play titles. Yeah, um, it's been too long. And gives developers the opportunity to create premium experiences that you actually buy. Mm. Um, Like, I know people are really hard on mobile games, but there's a tremendous amount of potential and a huge audience there. And I think a lot of developers just don't have, like, really big, good developers don't have interest in it because it's hard to make money on the platform. Um, And I know this is, like, there's also the argument this is, like, a very specific set of developers that will be part of this program and everybody else is kind of screwed <laughs> over in a way. Um, but I, I think it's a step in the right direction towards figuring out what mobile game, the future of mobile gaming looks mm-hmm. like in terms of avoiding free to play and in-app purchases and stuff like that. Yeah. One thing that about that is I, this just kind of came to me. Apple could definitely be sort of hedging their bets. Like, so we grew up on like game boys and DSs and that kind of jazz. And that was like our mobile gaming. So the switch for us, it's like, this is it. This is perfect. But, I mean, look around an airport or something or a park, and you don't see kids with Game Boys or DSs anymore. It's like kids on phones or iPads playing games there. Or Switches. Sometimes. 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 Rarely. They're still around. They are for sure. But I feel like I know a lot more adults with Switches than kids. I know more adults than kids, I'll admit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, like, even my little cousins and stuff, like, and, yeah, seeing kids in just the streets, everyone's playing on, on... smartphones or tablets and i think that that mobile gaming industry is just going to sort of maybe even take over that sort of like nintendo handheld space we'll see cool um and then there's a lot of stuff that well not a lot of a lot of stuff but there's a few products that i mentioned towards the end of my story um a possibly a new 9.7 inch entry level ipad a 16 inch redesigned macbook with smaller bezels which i think is long overdue um, and it wouldn't have the it would have the scissor keyboard that we've heard a lot of rumors about. Finally, ditching the butterfly keyboard that has just plagued every single MacBook for the last couple of years. Um, the new Apple TV, which I already mentioned, and possibly a lower cost HomePod, um, with some rumors pointing to it being portable, similar to the Move that we talked about earlier. And then the only one of this set that I think is actually going to be shown off is a Bluetooth tile tracking device that could be a big one more thing 
Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking that that possibly could be the one more thing and the rumors surrounding the Apple TV are incorrect. We've just seen so much about this device that I think it it has to exist and there has to be some level of truth to it. I also think like considering all the work that Apple has put into revamping the the Find My app in iOS 13, yeah. the, the Bluetooth tile-like thing is probably a sure bet. And their new system works by like pinging devices through like this local Bluetooth low power or something along those lines, right? Yeah, it's it's actually really cool, and Apple kind of designed it to be to be private, where basically when you set it up on your devices, um, there's basically a code that only your Apple devices can decipher, and. So if you lose a device, it's constantly pinging this code that can be picked up by other Apple devices, relayed to Apple's cloud, matched with your account, and then sent to your devices so that you can figure out where it is. And Apple can't see into the, the platform at all, so they can't see whose devices are pinging what or any of that stuff. Um, so it should be secure and also works well. Hopefully. But having more devices, hence this tile-like tracking device, in the world just means more things that can be pinned, pinged, and a better chance of finding It'd be more accurate. Exactly. It's a bigger crowdsource network than yeah. what Tile has to offer, and that would make it more accurate as mm -hmm. well. That's kind of why, that's where I see Apple like really doubling down on this, is to like improve that network considerably. So I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Um, shout outs. We're going to keep that around in the new and improved Servcast. Indeed. John's looking at me. I hope he has a shout out. Oh, I have a great shout out um, that I just thought of right now because I forgot. Uh, that, that's classic Surfcast, right? Classic, you you classic forget Surfcast. about the thing that happens every week. I forgot, even though I made the notes and helped uh, helped construct the show with Brad this week. But I have one. Yeah. I wrote one down, but I'm changing it last minute. So. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I might I might scoop Brad's then. No. Okay, okay, so John, go, go go for your shout out. All right, my shout out is going to be to Pat's left hand, which has been just carrying the whole. It's my right hand. Team. Oh wait, wait, sorry, my uh, left hand is the one that's doing the work. The right hand exactly. The one that's sorry, yes. didn't mean to didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, your right hand's kind of been a bum. It is. It's pretty yeah. useless. Yeah. Yep. So Pat's left hand carrying the mobile syrup team for several weeks now due to. An injury of the right hand. His fingers are huge now. Yeah. Yeah. My, my left hand is just, uh, it's, it's swole. Yeah. It's too powerful. My right hand is literally swollen. Um, I'm recovering from uh, an injury, cut my hand, had to get uh, nerve related surgery. So I've been working for the last couple of weeks with my left hand and for the last little while, I guess, two weeks with one, one finger. Um, so it's been an interesting experience and I think I'm going to be ambidextrous by the time this is over. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, Bennett, what is your shout out? Um, I've decided to shout out. Congratulations, I was, <laughs> that's great. I was going to shout out Android 10 and the polish that it brought, but eh, that's boring. I've we decided, already talked about it. I know, I know. So it's like I'm not doing that. What are you, that. an Android shill? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, every time I bring up the word, I'm, just, I'm getting checks in the mail. But I'm not. Uh, I wish. Um, but no, my real shout out is I've decided I'm going to shout out to Johnny Ive and his like luxurious robe that he's going to be sitting in drinking his fancy coffee as he watches the apple event and the iphone come out and he'll just laugh that'd be sick i like to imagine johnny ive in, in a completely white house everything in his house is white he Very live sparse. streams it it's he all, live streams his reactions it's all aluminium yeah it's just like white and aluminium <laughs> i can't even say that word he's just sitting there on like his like plush couch and maybe he has like one of those like really expensive white furry cats and he's like in his robe and he's bald he's colorless this is chilling and he's just watching the apple event and he's just like Ha ha ha! They're lost without me. I like this. Yeah, someone I'm, should make a cartoon of this. <laughs> Check for that in the, in the post for the star next week. <laughs> so, so my shout out um, goes to a podcast that I'm doing with friends of Mobile Syrup, um, Megan Shea and Jessica Glang, about the reality show The Hills, which is a weird thing for a tech reporter to do. But I've always had a strange interest in reality TV. Um, we kind of started this off as a for fun project. We didn't know how it was going to go. But we ended up being featured in Apple's new and noteworthy podcast section. So it's a bit of a pat on the back for myself, but also the uh, two lovely individuals that I do the podcast with for working so hard to get it to that point. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, Again. congrats. Just so many congrats for me this week, man. Yeah. It's great. You're killing it. So thanks for listening to the Surfcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and of course on mobileserp.com. 
Brad, where can everybody find you? Um, you can find me just about everywhere at the Brad Fad, and then yeah, mobilesurf.com. And John, uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont, and that's John with no H. And uh, oh, good distinction. Yes, it's a very important distinction. Uh, I don't know why the H is there. So if you have a John with an H, just get rid of that H. Talk to us uh, about it. Yeah. Talk to the Johns in your life. Yeah, figure that out. Uh, and you can also find me on the website mobilesyrup.com. I think we'll probably be back next week or possibly early the week after with impressions on Apple's event, as well as the new iPhones that will almost certainly get revealed. Um, And yeah, thanks for listening. See you guys then. Uh, Stay safe out there. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.